Enjoy. Now betting for the sports animal, your afternoon drive. Number two, Menon, Van Nunley, and Fred Slow. And in the on deck circle, Amory Castillo. This is Two Men On with Van Nunley and Fred Slow. Back live on the program, back live from the YMCA Central New Mexico. I'm Fred Slow, Amory Castillo, back at the John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio. The NBA draft is starting, Amory. Long time coming. Long time coming. Do you keep NBA fandom all year, Amory, or does it come in circles? No, I am. Just like the NFL, NBA, I love it. I love it. Watch it all year. I don't know much about year-round fandom. I don't think I could deal with that. Off-the-court stuff's better than on-the-court play. NBA Twitter Uh, is better than NBA. I don't agree with that. I love the front office stuff, the potential trades, the draft stuff, the movement, the free agency, what dudes are doing in the Mm -hmm. offseason. I find it even more captivating than the actual game itself, which is still captivating. It's hype. Doing it at the Barclays is smart, good venue, big city, especially for all these guys that like spent all their time in Europe. Like you to come over and see the best <laughs> part of the country. Victor Wimbiama is going to be your first overall draft pick. He's going to go to the San Antonio Spurs. That is not official yet. The belief after that is Scoot Henderson will go number two. Brandon Miller, who I am, I would not touch with a ten foot pole, will go number three. Thompson boys back-to-back, you think, after that, or you think the Whitmore kid splits them? I mean, I don't see how the talent disparity in between twins can be that vast. How can how can their game and talent and play be that different that you can't distinguish in between them, so you just shove another guy? I don't get it. Figure it out. Figure it out. Got to figure it out. Victor Wimbiama is wearing, I believe, a, a bathrobe as a suit. So that's kind of a fun look. Amory, did you see Victor Wimbiama's fit? Yes, I have. I've been following on the Twitter and about to we're about to watch it all together, but in separate places. I know French and Italian uh, fashion isn't that far apart, but uh, it looks very Italian. It looks very Italian. Very Italian. Italian? Italian? Either one. Italian? Uh... Italian. I'm into San Antonio as far as it being a city. And you know what's interesting? Amory's obviously at the studio and we're here. So I'm sure we're watching like moments apart on a stream. There's no way for, because the way technology is now, people, no one is watching the same thing at the same time. Sure. Everyone is like seconds off or whatever. So Adam Silver is just taking the stage for us, Amory. So if it's okay with you, we'll use that as the official. Okay. Adam Silver, you creepy Nosferatu looking weasel. He's a weird looking God. dude, right? Like he's like he's super weird looking. I mean, do they have to bring him in through a tunnel so he doesn't get any sunlight on him? It's just I'm not trying to physically just like attack him or whatever. Can, like, but it's like you have to know. All of the meals at the draft, do they all like have to be garlic free? Is that is this, that the thing they do? Listen, we want no mirrors in the back room as he walks up. San Antonio is a cool city. I like Austin. It's right there as well. To me, 
Victor Wimbiama has to put – I mean, forget wherever they're playing now. Put them in the Alamo Dome. Like, put 50,000 people in there for every single game watching this cat go. Because I think the NBA is better when San Antonio is better. Sure. And I think it would be very well serving if he were to make big splashes, Victor Wimbiama. Early, it's, early. He's going to have a LeBron James effect. Tickets are going to be higher wherever you are because of Victor Wimbayama. Every stadium is going to be sold out everywhere he goes because of Victor Wimbayama. Okay, so I haven't thought about it like that. When LeBron James is in town, ticket prices double. It's going to be the same thing for Victor Wimbayama to a smaller degree. Hey, Marie, you obviously have been a fan of the association for a long, long time. In your opinion, since LeBron James, have you seen a player that you had the belief that the skill matched the hype as much as it does Victor Wimbiama? Um, that's a that's a tough one. I'm say it's a easy no. I even easy think no. I mean, easy like it's LeBron well, James and him, and that's it. Well, oh. I don't even necessarily know if everyone was bought into the LeBron James thing. I think, I think at the were. time he was his high school games were being played on ESPN. Yeah, I well, was all the way in. Well, so was I. But yeah. I, I, I think there was an opinion that some people thought too much hype, similar to like the way that people didn't buy into Bryce Harper. Sure. Yeah, where it was just for whatever reason you wanted to hate against, you know. And I, I don't necessarily know if I'm finding anyone publicly or even privately that's saying nah on Victor Wimbiama. I think everyone is. Is just solely in. I don't know if I've seen a more unanimous idea in scouts. Sport. Scouts are saying, at worst, he's only an all-star, not an all-NBA, not an all-time legend, which, which is what I think, which is what a lot of uh, pundits think. His, his floor is an all-star. At worst, he's going to be a top 30 guy. At best... He's going to be a top three guy, and I think he's going to be the best. It's wild to me at seven foot five, and I don't know how this is going to translate to me talking on the radio. How he doesn't look weird. No, not at all. Because look, look, look at him handling the ball right now. Because a bunch of dribbling dudes, between his legs and taking fall back one legged three pointers at seven and a half foot tall. That's insane for a human being to do. The dudes that we have seen Taco Fall, the dudes that we have seen uh, Bowl, the dudes that we have seen Sean Bradley. And again, I'm not trying to be rude. Physically speaking, they moved weird. They Correct. looked weird. Yeah. Like they, you knew they were out there because they were tall, not because they could ball. No offense to my favorite Lobo, uh, Sebastian, the Swedish street ball forcing. He looks like a move like baby giraffes. He, a little bit. Yeah. He they're stays uncle. on the sippy toes yeah. all the time. I mean, and then obviously there's like guys now who have Dirk Nowitzki would be an example. Jokic would be an example. There are guys who have a lot of size that have it, but that list is shorter than the list of guys who only have size. Right. There's not a lot of dudes that can take you down to the baseline like Michael Jordan, fake back inside of the paint, continue to drive the baseline, and then jump and then dunk on top of John Starks. Victor Wimbiama is one of those guys. I mean, the comp is Kevin Durant on offense. I mean, excuse me. Yeah, Kevin Durant on offense, Kevin Durant, uh, Kevin Garnett on defense, and then uh, court vision like Nikola Jokic. Those names I mean, are all pretty good. That's the three best at each thing. <laughs> you can't get any better than that. That's the highest ceiling 
of any draft pick, even higher than LeBron James. Hey, Marie, come in on this part. So to me, it's players are more important than teams in the NBA. Like, I don't think you're a fan of a team. I think you're a fan of players. Uh, now, I think that has evolved into what the NBA is now. When do you think that change was made? Um, when people started ring chasing. Probably started with LeBron. Oh, I don't. I mean, there were people ring chasing before that. Yeah, sure. Ring chasing, but I'm saying, I just, don't you feel like it's more than ever now? Like, people don't stay on their team they started with. Well, they shouldn't. I mean, that you could treat it like Marcus Smart. It goes, it's beyond, like, people ring chasing and going to super teams. It's it's the Players Association, like, actually giving credence to what the players want and having the ability to move around and go play with their friends. Like, this is, it's the evolution of modern sports. This isn't just solely or, ring chasing. Or a star player comes around like LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe, and I, and I think people become fans of those teams. Steph Curry... I don't know if I'm currently a Laker fan. I am not. I am 100% a LeBron James fan. Sure. And there's probably like a, I don't know, like a perfect storm of why that exists, right? So it's like LeBron has what? The shoe. Michael had the shoe. You know, there's, there's all these things that are outside of the game where they're just the brand of the individual. Whenever you just said ring chasing, I was trying to think back to who are the first people I thought were ring chasing. And I think it was from my personal memory, and obviously friends of the show will think otherwise, I think it was Carl Malone and Gary Payton. That's the first instance that I could see. That's the one I feel where, like, those. To a, to a lesser extent, you got uh, my Rockets with uh, Drexler and Barkley joining forces with Hakeem. And not getting it. Yeah. Because they just got two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't hate that one at all. But see, that's different. That's. That's players being out of their contract. They're in their twilight years, and then they get to make a choice when their previous obligation. But now in the NBA, a guy says, I'm not happy here, trade me, and they almost always make it happen. Yeah, because there's no reason to sit through it if you don't want it. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Malone and Peyton you mentioned, and then, you know, Drexler and Barkley, like I mentioned, they didn't move in their prime. They're already in the twilight of their career, like looking for like a, a last glimmer of hope. Chris Paul. Chris Paul everywhere. <laughs> What's this thing? Sure. I The Gary Payton one's interesting to me because I was definitely a Sonics fan. But I was a Sonics fan because why? Because Della Sherman was there. I was a Sonics fan because Sean Rain Kemp Man, was baby. there. Yeah. yeah. Like, like those things made the Sonics work for me. And when Gary Payton left, well, but that was interesting, too, because they were at it, they were leaving town. So maybe that's not like a perfect example. And after milking it for 10 minutes, Nosferatu back up on the podium. So Silver's at the podium. He says the selection is in for San Antonio. And Amory. Oh, my God, complete upset. Grady Dick, shooting guard from Kansas. Guys, stop. Victor Wimbiama is off the board. At minus fifty thousand. Did you make a hundred bucks? Did you make it, Amory? No. no. So Victor Wimbiama, it's going to take him about ten minutes to get to the podium because he has to do a unique handshake with every person he walks by. So that will take a substantial amount of time. But but he'll go up there and he'll get the photo. And this is a very special, very cool moment for he. 
Um, interesting, though, he wore the Christmas green, and I don't necessarily know how that relates to San Antonio. It's money green, baby. Okay, I don't hate that if that's actually the answer. There's no way that's an answer. No. He's, uh, Amory, I don't know if you're watching this, but Victor Wimbiama is standing next to what I would identify as regular-sized people. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like when Willy Wonka is walking through his factory talking to his helpers. It is the exact same. It, it is the and exact he's same walking, And he's walking like a regular person walks. Yes. He doesn't look seven and a half feet tall. Usually when like a seven-footer walks, they look like they're, they're walking on stilts. They're, like they're struggling to make every foot land in the right position. He's just like gracefully going wherever he wants. Now, as he enters the stage, Amory, um, there's like a San Antonio Spurs baseball cap that's right there. Now, you think they would have had the foresight to get one to fit his dome, but this one does not. It is too small. I think that's the fashion, it, Fred. It is sitting uh, right on top of his head. He's actually currently trying to adjust it again. You think of all the decisions you could have made, NBA, get a hat that fits the future of the association. I think that's the style. They did that on purpose. They knew exactly what size head he is. They know what. They knew which button to put it on. They knew everything they needed to know. So I tied an onion to my belt, which was the fashion at the time. <laughs> it is the fashion <laughs> in the time. <laughs> what do we get back? All the picks we missed during the break. It looks like Scoot Henderson's about to come off the board for your Charlotte Hornets. You see the size of this dude's feet? This is wild to me. It's two men on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The sports animal. This report. Have it all with the Disney. Back to the program. Amory, who'd you have in your number two spot? You had Scoot. The number two pick is in, and it is not Scoot, Amory. Oh, thank God I actually bet on it. <laughs> Brandon Miller from Alabama. Taken second overall by the Charlotte Hornets. They must have really liked him because he literally just dissed Michael Jordan yesterday. Why? Because saying Paul George was his goat? Saying Paul George was his goat and the best moment of his draft process was watching Michael Jordan airball a free throw. Two straight disses to Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets just picked them too. Brandon Miller reported yesterday that he does not expect to be charged for delivering a gun that was used in a fatal January 15th shooting. If he is not charged, Van, are we looking here at the start of a redemption arc for one Brandon Miller? He's insanely talented. He was the best player in college basketball. Like This, uh, this is a fine pick right here. He fits Charlotte better. I think Scoot is the better player, but they already got LaMelo Ball playing Scoot's position. So Brandon Miller is a better fit on the team. They make him a better team altogether. If you draft Scoot, you got to do something with LaMelo. So, I mean, this is the smart pick. The Nashville Police Department says they're in support of Brandon Miller's story. Brandon Miller now plays for the Charlotte Hornets. I guess. All right, what's uh, North Carolina's gun laws? Let's see how is he going to do in the future. It might not matter. I mean... If he's not in trouble, he's not in trouble. Going back to the first overall draft pick, Victor Wimbiama, and we'll bring this one in on Amory on this too. Twenty-two and sixty were the Spurs last year. Mm-hmm. What is the turnaround, you two, for the San Antonio Spurs with the addition of Victor Wimbiama? They're immediately a playoff team. 
Oh, I don't know. Mic drop. Period. I don't know. Exclamation point. Victor Wimbayama immediately makes him a playoff team. Amory, if you're talking to me, I'm not hearing you. To me, you can improve from 22 wins. Can you improve to 40 wins? That's a lot. That's 18 games. Victor Wimbayama is worth that many games to your basketball team. Are they a 41-41 and team? They're better. They're better than 500. They'll be a low seed in the playoffs this next year. That's how good he is. To get into the playoffs last year, LeBron James tiptoed into the NBA two games over with no help whatsoever and immediately made him a playoff team. The Lakers got in at only four games over, and two games over would have got you in. I don't hate it. I don't hate any of it. Hey, Marie, I think I've lost you at the station, but to me, now that you have the most valuable piece that you could possibly have, to me, you got to move it. If there's a team out there that is so excited about the idea of trades, if there's a team out there that is so foolhardy in what that they can do, do you move the most expensive piece in the history of pieces for an opportunity to assure that you're immediately going to be a 42-win or better team? Well, I mean, I we talked about this on the program before, that whoever had the number one pick, it ended up being the San Antonio Spurs, was going to immediately take Victor Wimbayama. And then every single piece, every single helper, every single that guy, every single gym rat, every mm-hmm. single good teammate will jump to play with this kid, whether it's this coming season, if they have the room for it, but definitely in the future, everyone is going to want to play with this kid. It's going to be like playing with LeBron James, like somebody that big of a name. You're going to take a pay cut. You're going to make some concessions just to play with this guy. So is Scoot and Amin Thompson both available right now in your Portland draft at number three? Do you draft the best available one? Probably Scoot, right? Yeah. And and then partner him with Dame and send a trade out to bring in a player in Portland to make an impact. Obviously, I'm talking about Bam. Right. And I don't think you're going to be able to get Victor Wimbiama, obviously, from San Antonio. But if there's a way to match in, what, your next 10 first-round draft picks, like, are you crazy enough to make that move? I, You know what? I think it's insane how this pick came in that fast. Because you know their phone is ringing off of the hook trying to get Scoot Henderson or possibly parlaying Scoot Henderson for a veteran piece to put with Dame. Scoot Henderson. But it seems like they're completely sold on Scoot Henderson, who is now the official third pick of the 2023 NBA draft, and just swagged out to the max. Look at that jacket. Oh, my God. In this order, Wimbyama, Miller, and Henderson – Henderson is off the board, and he's making his way up to the stage. And I'm calling it right now. He will not be a Portland Trailblazer at the end of the night. There's a pretty decent chance of that. I know the phone's going to be ringing off the hook, and they want to see those offers. I mean, make them an offer they can't refuse. There are enough teams out there that have interest in the best point guard in the draft and Dame Lillard. There are enough teams 
And they know Portland's been having these conversations anyways. Like, it's they're open to having them. If you're – look, the Portland organization does not want to get Dame, get rid of Dame Lillard. You want him to play his whole career there. You want him to go into the Hall of Fame there. What you want to do is get some friggin' pieces around him to be more competitive. And I think the, the Portland's front office must be sold that this is their guy. Scoot Henderson, he's a baller. He can ball absolutely out of control. Now can they get another piece or two to put around them to make Portland competitive again? But I guarantee you, if the front office, if the GM is not taking every single phone call tonight and every single day up until next NBA season, he's not doing his job right. I think it only happens, if it happens, it only happens tonight. I don't think well, there are calls made. He requested a trade, though. That is correct. Yeah, we're not, I'm not talking about Henderson's ones. I'm talking about Portland's ones. Yeah, like, I think Amory meant Dame. Dame hasn't meant, requested oh, a trade. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. not requested a trade, though, so it's up to Portland. So here's how I feel about that. I think he has. Nope, like, he has he, said it. He has said it. Sure. I, I, get, I get what you say publicly, but also he's towed the company line for so long with weird ownership. He stuck it out through a lot of really lean years. And if there's a way for this team to move what is now perceived, I think, as a lot of value to get possibly even more value back in return, this isn't a team that needs one player to help Dame. This is a team that needs five new players. And you can get five young ones and have just as meddling seasons as they've had with up-and-comers versus what they're currently doing. All right, for, for them to keep Dame and have his legacy remain intact in Portland, you got to add more than just Scoot Henderson. I agree. They're they're not good enough yet, unless Scoot's the second coming. <coughs> and if you can sign like a like uh, who's the cat who just left the the Warriors, Draymond Green. Like if you can sign one of those dudes, they need two Draymonds. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So if you can get a Draymond, and may, hey, maybe that's the move. Then maybe Draymond was like, hey, I don't necessarily trust you, Portland, until you have like a point guard, and maybe that's why they're having talks about. CP3, or maybe that's why they're having talks about doing some other stuff. But now, oh, they got a point guard. Now he's sure. young, and I think I know NBA guys a little bit, at least my perception is, they don't necessarily want to play with the young bloods. They want to play with dudes they trust. They want to play with dudes right. that are adults. They don't want to play with not un- John Morant's. Unproven assets. Yeah. Yeah. They're still children. You don't know how they're going to pan out in the NBA, unless well, you're Victor Wimbayama, who will be the greatest player in the history of basketball. Strong possibility. What are we step? Where we come back from the break, we have two and a half minutes until Houston has to tell us um, just who they're taking off the scrap heap after this. <laughs> it's two men on, 95.9 F. Amen Thompson goes to the Rockets. He's in at pick number four. Joining, it's a good get. Joining us on the program, Sports Animal Hotline, friend of the show, J.D. J.D., welcome, brother. How are you? I'm good, fellas. What's up? How you been? Oh, never complaining. Good, good. You know, we're so fortunate. Yeah. Um, so in, in regards to the draft, who do you think won the, the trade between Boston with Smart and Porzingis? Who do you think is going to get the better end? Well, I mean, short answer is Boston. I think so, I mean, too. They've, they've hit a brick wall the last couple of years. They needed to change it up. And I think if Porzingis can stay healthy and play like he did last year, it's an upgrade. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, how well do you think Brandon Miller is going to turn out? Man, I want to wish him the best. The 
if everything works out for him legally and, you know, it, it just ends up he was part of an unfortunate circumstance, I want him to have an incredible professional career and an incredible life. I don't yeah. think I, – I think it will be weird at first with Ball. If Ball is still there – they're going to have to figure that out, and that's going to be tough. But I wouldn't be surprised if he gets moved. Different positions, different games. I think Miller will complement Ball. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought there were times last year when when you watched Alabama when Brandon Miller was head and shoulders above everybody else. Long time since I've seen anybody that was that. It was like the word to describe him is svelte. You know, S B E L T. Well, when you, I thought he I had a lot, it, huge upside. I think that, that the problems really got to him at the end. Um, and I don't know. Nate Oates is, is a pretty harsh dude to coach um, young guys sometimes, I think. But I think he's got a tremendous upside. So, um, Which, And I'm curious to see where Anthony Black goes, if he'll go in the top ten or not. Um, but it, it'll be close. Yeah, it, that'll be super close. The The thing that to circle back to the conversation – is it's about maturity, right? Like, sure. if you're obviously the best player playing collegiately, because maybe the best players are playing in the G League or they're playing in France or whatever, if you know physically you're the best player in collegiate basketball, great. Where's that maturity, though? Where's, like, obviously the decisions at the end, and then there was some mocking, if you remember, with, like, intros yep. on the court. Oh, yeah. Correct, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. Better, better grown up a lot in the last 90 days. Better grown up a lot. Well, that's, that's, but that's what's happened with the NBA, right? When they when they started drafting really young guys, the maturity factor was gone, and it affected the game. I yeah. mean, I I rarely watch the NBA anymore for that very reason. And then they went to the zone defense, um, and just the quality of play I think has gone down. Um, I think maybe raw talent may have improved, sure. But I think to your point, I mean, there's something about maturity that that that's lacking a lot of times <laughs> in that game. Um, it's just not. You know, sometimes it's just not an exciting product. They don't seem to be excited to be there sometimes. But well, that's a side. And then, go ahead. Well, last year, Brandon Miller and the rest of the roster at Alabama, and especially the way Alabama handled that situation, they made it very easy to root against them. Yeah. But now, yeah. All, now all that's over, like, we're not in the business here at Two Men On of rooting against 19-year-olds. Oh, I agree with that completely. For sure. We want the best for these young men, and we want them to be the best people that they can be and help their community, et cetera, et cetera. So now that that's over, yeah, I mean, I think he's a good fit for the basketball team, and I think uh, the sky's the limit for that young man. I think outside of the court, though, you want to make sure he's incorporating the right people surrounding him in life because a 19-year-old that lacks maturity is only multiplied by an infinity number of times when you give them infinity amounts of money. Sure. And that, to me, yeah. is like a, is a huge factor, too. Like, make sure – sorry to cut you off, J.D., but it, it's make sure you have the right people in your camp, not just the right people at your practice or on your team bus. So then you're going to turn into John Morant, right? You're going to have that kind of situation oh, again. I do not want to have so, that. Not I, I hope we're not devolved to that with him. But I, I just wonder if that will come back to bite Alabama basketball because – you know, the baseball team's already fired their coach for gambling. Right. Um, I, I'm sure that they'll look into what happened now that he's gone. They'll probably look at what did, that, did the Alabama basketball program suppress as far as evidence and information and, you know, how cooperative were they really about all that. Did you just see LSU had to vacate a bunch of wins in football from the last miles? I, if that just came across the ticker, I didn't see it. Right. Yeah, four years, 12, 13, 14, 15. They're oh all gosh. gone. 
That's wild. They had an in, they had an eligible player all those years on the offensive line. So I'll have to look back and make sure I get all the details on that. But that I mean that's kind of this game right now. It's like guys trying to find an angle all the time, trying to always yep. get a yep. step ahead, and they right. do it at the expense of who. JD, thank you so much, brother. The Detroit yeah, Pistons pick is in. That's a good dude right there, JD. The Detroit Pistons have sent their selection to Adam Silver. He's at the podium, A. Marie. Is it traded to Houston? Oh, this is a nice moment. Brothers go back to back. See, that's what I was saying earlier. Yeah. If if Amin Thompson is the obvious number four pick, how can his twin brother not be number five? Yeah. It's There's nice no moment, way. Except sibling, com- you know, I'm competitive with my sibling. I'm like, ha ha, I went first, sucker. And I wish the Rockets would have done everything in their power to try to trade up and get both of them. Because that would be a great story. You get both of these dudes in the same draft. The Rockets draft again at 20, is that correct? Yeah. Oh, I mean. It's not far-fetched. It's not get... far-fetched. You still make a move for it. Yeah. Give you they tw- could still do it. Because Detroit, I mean, and no offense to Detroit, I'm sure they're a great organization. One player is not going to save Detroit right now either. So it's, right. yeah, hey, let me give you 20 this year. You know, maybe I'll throw in, I'm, I don't know what the second round looks like for Houston. I could pull it up. But the the idea is, yeah, give, give them a little ammunition. Let us have a really good story. And if, you know, down the line some years we can repay it to you, we repay it to you. But that would give Detroit picks at 20 and 31 so those are, I mean, you're still getting guys who can ball there, you know. And then you get something set up for the future as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll step away. Is Josh joining us when we get back? Josh Jim? is. Josh yeah. Sushan after the break. Sorry, Amory, what was that? He is. Oh, how great. Love that. Lucky us. So we're going to get the best baseball mind in the city to talk a little hoops. And obviously we'll preview the Ice Tops game tonight. Big win for the Ice Tops last night. So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about this one. A uh, heck of a day here at the Y. It's just been, it has just been top tier. Just absolutely top tier. Two men on, 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. Welcome to the program, Josu. Good evening. Thank you for having me on the program. You watching the NBA draft? Are you getting ready for work? I'm getting ready for work. I mean, that's nice. What's happening? What am I? What any, am I missing? Any guesses on who went number one? Um, no. <laughs> the guy whose name I don't know how to pronounce yet, but has like is like seven one with seven seven wingspan or something like that. Well, that's not correct. He's a seven five. Seven five with an eight foot wingspan. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> it's a freak of nature, really. The way I see it, Wimbiama, number one. Miller, number two. Scoot Henderson, number three, the Thompson Twins back-to-back, and now Anthony Black is officially a member of the Orlando Magic. And, Van, that was your sleeper of the whole draft. Um, I kind of had Cam Whitmore going next, but uh, they seem like they value Anthony Black higher than I value Cam Whitmore. So what the hell do I know? Albuquerque is 3-5 and five on his current road trip after dropping the first two of the six-game series. They come back for the ice tips last night. Josh, what's going on in Reno? Did Lamont Butler get drafted? Uh, we're not very far down the draft. Also, I don't know who that is. <laughs> Lamont Butler is the guy who hit the game winning shot for San Diego State to send him to the national championship game. He the actually one they, did. Dequ- 
he did declare, and then he decided to come back to San Diego State for his next year of college. How did how did he say it? Did he go, why I declare? Is that what he said? <laughs> and uh, the just like all the kids nowadays, they, they said it on Instagram first in order to get the word out, and it was yep. a really fancy, flashy video. On behalf of all my NIL sponsors, I do declare that I will be staying <laughs> at San Diego State for the foreseeable future. I'm excited to play in the Pac-12. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like all of that. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> that, that, that made me smile. You can, keep, you can keep making me smile. So Thompson Twins are the first brothers to be drafted in the top five in the same draft in the history of the NBA. Oh, who knew? Also... 80s new wave band, the Thompson Twins, <laughs> singers of Hold Me Now. You familiar with the song? Uh, oh, yes. Close, yes. very close. I, listened, I, I spent a bunch of money in the 80s on the Thompson Twins. Albums, <laughs> actual <laughs> albums. Yes. Josh, how come the Mountain West is being such jerks to your team, San Diego State, the only actual competitive athletics in the entire Mountain West? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, other than scorned lover, Type thing, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I love all the analogies that people have given to what San Diego State is doing in the Mountain West and what the Mountain West is doing back, because it's the ultimate college breakup, right? It's like, hey, I'm going to break up with you in like a month because I think there's this hotter girl who wants to go out with me, but I'm not positive just yet. I'm just giving you notice that in about a month, I think that I'll like be able to close the deal on her. So you want to keep hanging out for like the next month and like go get beers right now and then uh, call it, you know, a relationship in about a month. Kind of nailed that. Yeah, man, that's pretty yeah. spot on. Yeah. You can't really come back from that. It looks like an imploding submarine. <laughs> I guess it's not too soon. I guess that question was just answered. Oh, you know the program. <laughs> What's up with tonight, though? Who's on the pregame? What's up with the baseball diamond? How's the team looking? So what's up with the team, you know, you, had, you mentioned earlier before I – not so subtly turn the topic to San Diego State, is that the boys, are, the boys are just struggling in close games, right? On this road trip, they're three and five, and out of the five losses, four of them have been three runs or less. And that's really been a storyline the entire season. The boys have lost 44 games, and 30 of those 44 have been three runs or less. So you think about close games, and sometimes you're down big, you come back and it falls short. Sometimes you have a lead, you lose it. Sometimes it's back and forth, you know, and you lose it at the end. And, you know, the voices haven't been able to do that one thing that makes the difference. You know, whether it's like yesterday, there's two outs, there's nobody on base, there's a ground ball to first. It's not a routine play, but first baseman goes over, Rangers far to his right, fields, throws across his body, pitcher's there, off the pitcher's glove, he's safe. That, that should have ended the inning, but it did not. And then after that, it's double, single, single, an error. Next thing you know, they've scored four runs. So you lose a game by two, and you look back on, and we just would have executed this 3-1 put-out that we practice all the time, we probably win the game. And so there's been too many plays like that where when you're really, really good, you, you can come back from those. But, you know, but, when, but when you're not, those just really get amplified. And, and I, I, I felt that that play yesterday was kind of a microcosm for you know, the struggles that the Tilts have had this year in, in those close games and finding a way to win. We mentioned earlier in the season that uh, all the Isotopes' best players, they're uh, Colorado Rockies now. So who's been well, that filling... That also makes it harder to win, too. Sure. Who's, who's been filling that gap uh, in the lineup? Who's been uh, the new guy that you got to get out there and watch before he's gone, too? Well, 
Honestly, I think right now it's Cole Tucker, right? And, and Cole's not necessarily new because he was with us to start the season, but he missed six weeks with an oblique injury. And so now he's been back. He's been back for about three weeks. And at first he was just getting a bunch of singles and walks. Now he's adding extra base hits. Had a three-run homer yesterday. You know, Cole's got a lot of major league service time. You know, he's a very charismatic guy. We joke about his fiance, but between his hair and his fiance and the fact that he's been in the big leagues, you know, it's a guy that a lot of people know. And, and, uh, and, and what I'm excited NBA. about is that people are going to know him not just for, for who he's dating, but also because he's one heck of a ball player. He robbed a home run in Tacoma. He made this great um, diving catch yesterday. Then he got up and threw, a, a, threw the first for a double play. So he's really got a lot of tools that can do it all. Hunter Stovall still looking strong, or what's up with our boy? Our boy is in a bit of a slump right now. He's hey. down at 287. He got a three-game win yesterday. Come back to life. I know. Yeah, I know. He needs some two-minute on drip to come back to life. I just want him to do so well. You know what I mean? There's just certain guys rooting for. Is this the debut for Bramer against Reno, or am I confused? You're correct. This is the first time that he's faced Reno, yeah. And Bramer's been a fun guy to watch, right? I mean, this is a guy who... Spring training begins in the major leagues, and he doesn't have a job. And then he signs with an independent league team, makes four starts, pitches great. Rocky signed him. He comes to Albuquerque. He's made five starts for us. His ERA is four and a half. Really, he just had one bad outing. And his last start, he went six and two-third innings. And, you know, he's not afraid to throw his curveball in altitude, and he's able to throw it effectively for strikes. He's also got a little bit of big league service time. He's one of these guys you really root for because – he made his debut in 2020, so that's the COVID year. No fans in the ballpark, which means your mom and dad and brothers and sisters and girlfriend, wife, grandparents, like whoever, they can't be in the stands all emotional and crying and taking photos because no one was allowed in the stands, and he hasn't been back to the big leagues. So you really root for a guy like that to hope that he can get back so that he can have like a true, real major league debut moment with everybody crying in the stands. What? Oh, go ahead. Qatar bought a stake in Washington, D.C. sports teams, everyone that's not the Washington football team. Is this the first step making the live MLB merger? Oh, well, I only heard like every other word because the cell phone section, uh, cell phone is is not great right here. But I'm going to say the answer is no to whatever you just asked me. Oh, smart move. Just say no to Van. Blau, Coolaby. Koulibaly has been taken by the Indiana Pacers. I'm not overly familiar with him. He's one of those guys that played in France. Wimbayama's teammate. His running mate out there. So there's that. And the Washington Wizards are currently at the podium, Josh, and they're selecting Jerace Walker, and he went through, uh, played in Houston. That dude's a shooter. All right. So there you go. There's that. Josh, who's on the pregame tonight? Uh, pre-game show is Dustin Garneau. He played parts of four years for the Isotopes as a catcher. Very popular guy. Had a lot of really big moments. Now he's a roving catching instructor in the Rockies organization. He's here with the team in Reno. And we kind of went down memory lane to some of his favorite moments with the Isotopes and transitioning into his new role, uh, new role as a coach. Do you feel, as you've seen players come back to the Isotopes or into the Rockies organization, guys that used to know as players and now you know as coaches, do you feel like they're staying with the innovations of the game, or do you feel like they coach and approach the game the way that they were coached and approached so many years ago when they were playing? Well, that's a really good question, which I was not expecting. I'd say a little (laughs) bit of both. You know, I, I I think that the players who just retired within the last year or two 
they have a certain way, but I think they also are, are new enough to coaching that they saw like these changes. Like I was talking to Dustin about what it's like being a catcher now, where sometimes you got to challenge the call and you got ABS and you're calling pitches by pressing these buttons that's on your knee and, and all the different things that are involved in catching these days, which are different. Put it this way. The ones who are at their best do a little bit of both. They do some old school. They do some no school. you got to be able to do it all. And the other thing about the current players now, they're used to all this stuff. When you talk about, like, spin rate and vertical, bla- uh, vertical break and exit velocity, that's all these younger players know because they, they, that's all they've known throughout their pro career. So you have to be able to speak that language in addition to, to a more old school language. We were talking earlier in the week, Josh, about how a bunch of former scouts have put together a collective and we decided to sue Major League Baseball because they felt they were facing a little bit of ageism. As you've seen the game being scouted with forward scouts in the AAA level, do you see as many of the traditional old-school wide-brim hat guys at the ballpark, or do you feel like most scouting is being done remotely via technology? Overwhelmingly, it's via technology. It's actually very rare for me to see any scout wearing any type of hat at AAA. They scout the lower minors, but they almost do everything off the Internet at AAA. Isn't that wild? It's crazy. It's wild. Tried to told you. Josh Sushan, you're the absolute best of all time. Thanks, guys. And uh, have a great rest of the night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. That's really nice of him. What a nice guy. You know, we should have him out for dinner when he gets back. He's been out for like two weeks. Maybe do something nice. Make, let's just make him a nice home cooked meal. Let's do that. We'll make him a nice home cooked meal that? when he gets back. I like that. Hey, Marie, good job today. Thank you. Van, any final words? Hey, don't miss the opening drive tomorrow morning with Jeff and JJ. Oh, that's pretty good. I guess uh, thank you, YMCA, obviously. Thank you, Lego. Oh, yeah. USA Soccer, New Mexico United. Good job, everyone. GG. See you tomorrow at Red Door with Jake Casio Burke.